you still have the voice turned on. Um, okay. <laughs> good. Yeah. So, okay. Adris, thank you very much again for having this conversation. Um, thank you. I'm, I, I, I would love to start today going into a topic that we've touched upon, I think, in our last three conversations, but we never went into in depth, which is the question of talents in children. So actually, for me, that's the question of how much are we as humans born with certain talents, with certain um, activities we have energy for, and also with certain needs, meaning certain ways we want and actually need to interact with the world, and how much of that is maybe born, how much of that is adapting to the world around us, and mm. what your perspective and actually also your experience both with your own children, but also working probably with people of different ages using this talent perspective, uh, what your perspective on that is, and where the distinctions between talents and maybe survival strategies we've learned, etc., cetera, mm. where, where all of that is. So I think we're gonna have a big field to play in, but that's, okay. that's my, my question for today. Okay. Yeah, very, very relevant and, and a frequently asked question, as, as we would say, uh, especially by, by parents um, or even people who think back and try to assess how they developed and how long they've been uh, thinking or acting in a specific way. So what, what, what we call that, it's an age-old uh, uh, question or phrase in, in developmental psychology is the, the the interaction or difference between nature and nurture. So what is what comes from nature and therefore it is part of what you're born with and what is nurtured or developed into you. And uh, so I'll start with a very simple uh, response out of research and uh, especially in developmental psychology with, with talents. And, and that is, is it nature or nurture? And the simple response is both. It's not one or the other, okay? So that's, that's the simplistic answer. Now, if we take it a bit further and we say, okay, so then how much of what and in what circumstances, et cetera. Now that, that becomes an interesting part of, of observing different um, individuals. Um, from as they develop or thinking back as an adult to your background. And when we talk about nurture or development, the huge, huge impact is obviously parenting, the influence of your, your direct close family, your parents and everything that comes from that. But it's in, in nurture, it's not only that, it's also your your community you, you, you grow up in, it's your culture you grow up in. Um, it is your school um, that you go to, uh, the different systems and uh, frameworks that you are exposed to uh, from, a, from a young age. And all of that has got a very specific influence in uh, someone's development. Um, what, what is observable uh, not at a very young age, but later in is how different 
children respond to environments. You have, you can have a family of three or four siblings, and they are all raised in the same environment with the same values and the same structures and the same, um, you know, intentions. But they do not all of them respond in the same way to it. Some will push back at it and rebel against it. Okay, we, that's, that's common to happen. And others will be pretty content or just follow the lead of the parents within that. Now, this usually happens at a bit of a later stage in the, in the, um, the, the preteen stage and teenage years. So let's say from about 12, 14 up to early adulthood. For that reason, uh, when we work with tools like the Clifton Strengths Assessment, just to name one, it is very strongly advised that you do not assess a child before the age of at least 14 with this tool. Um, it's not a good idea. It can be done, but the thing is, you, if you do it too early, what you're picking up um, from the results is not definitive or set yet. It's part of the development of the neuro pathways and so it's still flexible. So what you see, you may agree with in that moment with the child, but that may change very fast. And, and I also mm. personally have found that especially in those younger years, there are sometimes tremendous shifts in, yeah. in children where for the first eight years of, of, one, of one's life, some, maybe somebody was very powerful and speaking up for oneself and then that just suddenly shifts. Yeah. And the question can be, did something happen for that shift? At the same time, it can also be maybe a different talent, something that was always there is showing up, who knows? But um, there are these bigger shifts than we experience in people Absolutely. in adulthood. Absolutely. Uh, and, and as you say, that can be huge um, shifts. What we also find is uh, there are different developmental stages where you see certain behaviors that's very common to the age group. Like, for instance, um, in, in the early years of, of being a toddler, like three, four, five, most, not all, but most of the children will be highly competitive and they will be, um, you know, very possessive. So that's the age where you compete with, with uh, friends or siblings or so on. And it's the age of mine. It's don't take it, it's mine, you know? And so it's, it's forming an identity of who am I? And in that identity forming, it turns out that I have to compete um, for a toy or I have to compete in a game or whatever without knowing what comp competitiveness even means. It's just, I have to make myself count or I have to keep what's mine and not share it. Um, and so you get an, another uh, a very common aspect that I've picked up when, when it's done with teenagers is in, in that stage, 
what's most important for, for a teenager, say in the, in the years between 12 and 18 or so, would be the peer pressure to be part of a group, okay? So um, all or most uh, teenagers will be very prone to, to act as an extroversion, you know, in terms of being part and being positive and laugh and party and all of that, even if they don't like it, they'll do it, why? To be accepted and not rejected. And it's part of the social development that happens at that age. So I have seen results with talents where um, even, even after 14, even at the age of 15 or 16, where you take a class and the teacher will assess their talents and you will get talents like includer and woo and so come out with nearly everyone, all right? And you know that's not possible. You know it's not true. You know it's not accurate. And uh, what I then do is I just advise them, listen, this is social behavior. Don't, don't force that onto a young one and say, this is who you are, or this is how you should now make decisions going for forward. Because as you said, Lucas, in an instant, that can change. You do get the outliers, though. You do get uh, children that from a very, very early age, they are just different. They, they will be uh, much more withdrawn, for instance, or assertive, or uh, more introverted when other kids want to be together. They will stick to their own and be one side and read a book, not go to a party or whatever. Um, now, that may be an, an indication also of a talent that's already there, and that comes from, from the nature part. But even then, you should be careful because even that can change. All right. So you can even get where that I've seen with, with uh, my own children. You know, if I think of my, my um, eldest daughter, she, she was extremely on her own when she was younger, you know, in her room and reading and never wanted to go to parties. And she changed completely. You know, it became much more different as she grew up and, and grew out of it in a way. So, so it's important to respect the fact that you, you should not label a child too early. And, and parents step in the strap because they want to, 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 to get the best for the child as soon as possible. And sometimes you get ridiculous uh, uh, responses from parents. I'll, I remember I, I know someone who who had a first child years ago, and it was still a baby lying in a crib, could not talk, could not walk, still drinking on a bottle. And um, we visited and this new mom was sitting with a book and the book's title was How to Raise Your Strong-Willed Child. And I asked her, I said, how do you know this baby is strong-willed? And she said, well, a friend of mine who have kids said in the way that this baby is crying, she's definitely strong-willed, you know, and that's ridiculous, you know, um, one should be careful not to set your, your, your feet on, on, on that road at an early stage, it's, it's, it's negative because you force children into a pattern that they, you know, cannot live up to it, they, they simply can't. So, um, so, 
Yeah. Let's, let's just touch on, on systems in a family and in the developmental part. So what, what often do happen is that when you have in a family or even in a culture or schooling, certain approaches that may be, for instance, let's say you, you are raised in a family where information, knowledge, analysis, and so is valued and important because your parents are like that. So they like to debate, they like to talk about stuff, they're open for conversation, they read a lot, they, uh, that will definitely have a developmental input on the children to develop within those talents and grab onto it. Also read, learn to speak up. But what talents may come from an environment like that may also be very different through different siblings within it. So the one within that environment may hook onto, for instance, the research part and the reading part on my own. So I've learned, for instance, in my family that uh, thinking is good and necessary, debate is good. So I must know a lot and talents like input and learner and so may develop. Another sibling in the same home may develop by thinking, you know what, I must stand up for myself. So I'm going to push back and be assertive. And therefore, talents like command or significance may develop out of the same system. You can have another child in the same system that for some reason in, in, in a different DNA may link up to this environment and say, I must be protective of people that's different and cannot understand this debating or this thinking area and that, that may be more empathetic etc so systems parenting schooling cultures definitely have a strong impact and i've seen it because can i I've, can i come in there because for me yeah. there would be one so multiple things of what has have already been said one question that arises just from what you were sharing about the same family structure, the same family system and different children developing different ways of interacting with that system. For me then, one of the questions that naturally would arise and going back to that nature nurture question would be, why do the different children choose the different uh, niches in that? And I think there's, there is one element of, there are probably, Literally, it's there is a family system, there are niches, and we will fill different of them. But also, I imagine, and at least in my experience, different children already at a young age are prone to different roles and to different behavior, which I would consider the kind of the seed of a talent being there from the very beginning, a seed yeah. of a, a, a certain way of being, and that might have something to do with yeah. my dna and how my body is structured or how yeah. my mind is uh, how my brain is structured so that i have certain interactions and certain behaviors and roles that seem more natural to me than others absolutely absolutely and and that where research picked up on that in the dna is when you can you can kind of get proof for that when you get children that's for instance adopted so they have parents that come from us, but they raised in another home. 
And when there's traits that you can see come directly from the parents in terms of talents and behavior and so on, but they were not exposed to it in, in the new home where they, where they grow up. So, so there's definitely a, a both, and it's very difficult to, to say how much in whom, because there's no real patterns of data that you can distinguish and say it's 70% DNA and 30 uh, is development. And so that, that, that's not possible to do. But I think the important thing is for parents, what can we do? I think the most important thing is to always tell parents and give them advice, create a foundation, an environment and a platform where any talent can develop in your child, where, where it's open for anything to, to happen, where they can be, for instance, either very structured or disciplined or very adaptive and you know more chaotic in a way and both that's fine, it's different and it's fine. Um, for, for, for some parents that's difficult because not all of them think in the same way yeah, about that. You know, they may think you must be disciplined. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that may have a, a, not all will agree with this approach, um, but, I, but I do believe that the, what we see that we often mistake, Lucas, for, for talents, are actually values. We, we've spoken previously, uh, I think, about talents and values and the link between them. And a value and a talent are, can both be described in the same way as being energy and need. If you adopt a specific value, it energizes you and you need to apply that value. Um, and values that come through culture or school, a value in a school system, a value in a religious system, a value in a home family system, that is a very, very strong indication of what forms the, the, the people and the children. Therefore, I do at times work with adults and when I coach them and they open up, they will tell me, well, my profile show that I am uh, less, I'm not strongly, for instance, neat and orderly and structured, but I was raised with the value that I should do that. And, and the, the great thing is very often when it's done balanced in a way by parents, when I ask them, is it a bad thing for you? Do you find it stressful? They say, no, it's actually an advantage because I am this way, but I can balance it by doing other things as well. So I have a broader scope. So values are a good thing. And, and in, let, let me just touch on, on, on culture as, as an influence. I've had the privilege over the years to, to travel widely um, and assess people in, in different uh, countries and continents uh, from, from the US, Canada, Europe, Africa, Russia, Middle East, um, uh, Thailand, etc. And it's very interesting that in certain cultures, you get certain talents that's extremely strong that pops up and, and come forward. Um, I mean, we joke about it. It's, it's very clear that there's a German way of doing things. Everybody in the world will know there's an English way. There's an American way. That's part of, of cultural values and so on. But if you look at talents, you can often see, for instance, um, 
I was quite surprised until I started to, to, to work with them. When I, when I worked with teams in Russia, the predominant talents that came out with Russians was predominantly two of them, competition and context. And in most other nations, context was very low. In Russians, it's top five. And when I started to, to understand and talk to, to the Russians and, and understand, I get that from, from they were born, their history is so important and the identity and looking back and their competitiveness that they raised with of us against the world. We are in a constant battle against the rest of the world that comes out in that competition. And actually, when, when, when I met Russians who does not have that and, and not competitive or high in context, they will, they will brand themselves and say, I'm an odd one out. I'm not a typical Russian. Like someone will say, I'm not a typical German or a typical you know, French or, or whatever it may be. So it's very interesting how it's not only parental, but, but cultures that also has an influence in your development and your talents forming within you. So the, the question that, mm. are, that arises in me when I listen to this, so number one, I find the, the discussion of values very interesting because values are almost like talents in the way that we often talk about them, but they're really hard to grab. Like what is a value? And what impact does a value have on our life? So that's a tricky one. Um, but the question that arises in me also when I think about the, the children and children going through different developmental stages and those developmental stages asking for different ways of interacting with the world and thus also asking for different um, ways of being to come forward. And, and then through those different developmental stages, and maybe the values, the cultures, certain behaviors and patterns arriving that may not necessarily be our talents, but they may very well become our predominant way of being in the world. What, I, what I'm left with is that the lens of the talent really seems to look for what's uniquely yours what's uniquely how you are meant to be to interact to to act in this world what is it that you are built for is the way i i like to frame it which makes sense to me and yeah. it seems like even though there may be a certain blueprint you are born with who knows yeah my um the development of that blueprint and the way of learning how to actually be with that in the world takes a long time. So yeah. we shouldn't label a, a two-year-old child and say, oh, you are blah, blah, blah. It takes yeah. a long time. And even when we're adults, we still have to pierce apart what are our values? What is the cultural imprint we've gotten? And then yeah. to really get to this core of the talents of oh this is how i am built this is how you are built and it's not completely independent of the values but it's actually it it looks at a different element of us yeah. 
Absolutely. I agree. I think it's a it's a great way that you that you summarize that and, and put it together. And I, I, I agree with that. Um, because that what you call it a, a blueprint. Uh, what I've also seen and observed and um, is that when you have that blueprint or, or that comes through, what 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 is true in development is when when a blueprint is I, I want to call it respected or left to develop to grow, you get much more in, for instance, it could be in a family or in a school or whatever. When the approach of education and the approach of raising uh, children is one of, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example that, that I love and, and that's why I sent my, my children to Montessori schools because their motto is follow the child. I love that. So when you have a, a, an approach of education or parenting, follow the child, then it is as if you give permission to the blueprint to go its own way and develop. And then you'll get in a family or in a school, various different talents developing, different perspectives and different ways. When on the other hand, you raise uh, children or educate them in a system where the blueprint is disregarded and they told this is what you should value, this is how you should behave, this is right, this is wrong, then you get much more of a strict similarity coming forward with the same type of children growing up in the same type of ways and doing the same type of thing. So, um, and, and what makes that difficult is this is a a decision of, of parents on their own. Personally, I'm 100% for the open approach. Follow the child, let them develop. I, children should be free to be, my kids should be free to be completely different than I am and have different choices, beliefs, uh, directions in life. But not all parents believe that. They, many have the approach. I know better and I want them to grow up in this way, do that job, do that thing. And, and the truth is that can, it's as if that approach suppresses the blueprint and then kind of hijacks it and turns it into talents that somebody else developed for you. And, and that comes out. And, and then those, those, those kids growing up as adults, they're also content. They're not frustrated because it's it's what what did you what seed did you have grow that what seed grew you know and and can I because that that maybe brings us to to the say to the question we started with again, which is, um, so in a child that grew up in a this this is your path this is where you should go, is what they develop, are those actually potentially their talents, or do they develop skills? And how do we distinguish that? That because that might be a, a pretty precise way of looking at the question yeah. we're after. You're right. You're right. Because how, how we do distinguish skill from talent is with energy and need. A skill is an ability uh, that's not necessarily tied to passion, energy, or need. A talent is energy to do it. So when you get people that's great at doing it in a certain way, but they feel drained and they feel frustrated. And then it can be an indication that you, 
You've developed skills and methods and structures outside of who you are. And, and that's not in line with your natural talents and, and how you should approach yourself and in the development of it. So it's also a good way, way to look at it, you know, um, both talent about skills and talent also in line with values um, that, that goes through that. And so maybe if we follow that thought a little bit, the, so it, you, you called it the blueprint, uh, following the blueprint. And what I have in my mind as a child develops with all the twists and turns and the, and the changing needs also depending on what developmental stage you're in. Each stage has its own needs. So children will suddenly be different. And it might be that, yes, we wanna follow the child. We wanna follow the child's blueprint, but we don't actually know what that is. Like, yes. And that's, yes. that's the tricky part. So, yes. so in one way, it's, it's trusting the blueprint. Yes, got it. It's so important. I love it the way you put it. Um, if you follow a blueprint that you think you understand, you're not following the child's blueprint, you're following yours. <laughs> if, if, if you follow the child in a way that uh, is more inquisitive and exciting and, and on discovery, let's see. Let's see how they develop. They're four years old. Let's see what they become at eight. Let's see what they become at 12 or 16. Then you truly respect. That's why I use the word respect that and, and see what happens. And then obviously different, even within environment, structural environments like communities, families, schools, cultures, remember that individual experiences have impact on individuals in an enormous way. One, one teacher can form and change a child's life forever for positive or negative in the way they respond to them. One friend can do that. One thing that happened, a child can, be, can be, become very ill um, at a young stage, and that has an impact on what the type of adult they become uh, through that. So there's so many factors at play in how you respond towards it that, that we never know. We, we, we don't know what we have. And, and that's, I think that's the, 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 the tension of parenting, but also the excitement of, of parenting is, is in doing and, and honoring that. And so in, if on the one hand, we have the perspective, we, we try to honor the blueprint without knowing what it is, which means we can actually only honor the spontaneous development of the child without knowing what the next step will be. And at the same time, at least in my experience, there are very clear patterns yeah. in children from the beginning. So for me, one of the ways is some children are just obviously more empathetic than yeah. other children. Yes. Yeah. The question, if that will develop into empathy or harmony or that, that's maybe still up for grabs, but for some children, the social fabric is so tremendously important. And for other children, that social fabric just doesn't matter yeah. as much. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's, it's so often got to do with phases. 
and, and a phase that a child find him or herself in and how it's responded towards it, you know, if it's allowed or not, and if it's uh, supported or not in, in the way that it goes. So sometimes it could be that um, a, a child may, may, may take empathy and, and feel empathetic, et cetera, but then through experiences or whatever decide to, to do something radical, to push away towards that and go in a different direction, you know, and, and develop differently. And, and again, it brings, brings us back to what you said that's so true uh, at the beginning that we must always be aware that um, in development of a child, things can change dramatically very fast. But we must also understand that change can also happen more linked towards things like values and, and life throughout adulthood and throughout life. So we, we always have the decision on what we do and what we don't do there. For me personally, there are parts of me that I do know I have very strong talent and energy and need in, but for, for specific reasons at specific phases in my life, I decided to push it to the side. I decided not to go there, not to respond to my energy, not to respond to my need because of different circumstances, situational, et cetera. And if you ask me now, what would have happened if you responded? I, I can't tell you, I don't know, but it's a decision I make and I stick with it. And that's part of, of how life goes. So that's a complexity of being alive, right? <laughs> it's, it's just and, how we approach it. And at the same time, are, are those talents you have, are they still your talents, even though you didn't develop them? Or yeah. So this is this is the 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 interesting yeah. dance that I find myself in. The more I think about things in yeah. this talent perspective, yeah. is I look at talent as an expression of our life force, and and the life force itself is much bigger than any single talent. But at the same time, it seems like we are we are born and blessed and however you want to put it i think that's a uh, with different unique imprints of this life force and yeah for me the the question of how we come to be is so is so multifaceted and fascinating and yes. and the the perspective i often take because that's more my field of expertise is we develop certain ways of coping with the world of surviving in the contexts we're in and they can be more beneficial and they can be more detrimental and yes. and i actually my my theory at least is that a lot of the coping strategies we will develop and a lot of the surviving strategies we will develop sometimes we will develop some that are not based on our talents and those are usually the ones that drain us yeah. But I, I actually experience that oftentimes we will develop our coping strategies based on our talents, and then we yes. will just overuse them so much so that they often don't even seem like a talent. Yeah, yeah. It's, actually, it's, it's like what I, what I call being a fish in water. Uh, a fish in water is not aware of the water they swim in. It's, it's unless you take them out of it or you pollute the water, then they become anxious within it but it's your natural habitat. So you, 
you you see the world through the lens of talent. You don't see the talent and then the world. It's a lens that colors it, and and that you 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 look through um, through it. So the influence of that. But what stays for me personally, Lucas, what stays set is first people are unique. They're not the same. That uniqueness to a degree can be measured and described. So there's different tools and different approaches that can measure uniqueness and describe and define uniqueness. And that uniqueness described can and should be applied in life. So for me, the bottom line of, of all this that can become very fluid still stays that individuals that become self-aware embrace who they are wherever they find themselves in a state or a season embrace it and apply it in the best possible way they are individuals that ultimately find the most fulfillment contentment and success within life and not those who push against it for me that's that's the bottom line of of, of this whole discussion so that would be a wonderful potential place to end for today but i actually have a few more few more questions or or yeah they're open ended questions i'm, I'm pretty sure they are not to be answered but what what i what i i fully relate to we are unique each each of us is really different and i think it's yeah. really easy to overlook how different we are yeah um because we often see the world through our own lens um, and it is often just in getting to know others deeply that we understand how absolutely strange and unique they are. Um, at the same time, we all have similar needs. Mm. We want to feel safe. We want to feel connected. We want to have a, have a feeling of I, I am worthy. Mm. And maybe this is also what you're pointing to in that in those universal needs we we are all kind of very very similar but then we will find different strategies of trying to meet those needs we have and yeah. the more we the more we learn how to meet our own needs the more we will get also into higher needs or desires like so how am i built what is my purpose in life what how can i contribute to society yeah and it is often that the more we can find out what comes easy and where we are uniquely skilled to contribute that a deeper level of fulfillment can yeah. can arise absolutely for me i see it this way that that human beings generally find success through uniqueness, but safety through similarity. So they need both. They, they want to become successful through individual uniqueness, but I'll need to be safe. And where do I find safety in similarity? My people, my family, my culture, my country, my religion. And that's, that's why humans create similarity. That's why we create religious thought. We create culture, we create boundaries for the sake of safety. We feel safe there. 
But then you get within that, people want to still be unique and, and recognized. And there's often a tension uh, within, within that. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, if we then go back to the question of upbringing children growth, we, we're, we're not just unique in we're born and then there we are. We also each have a unique path in our upbringing where we will find our own way. But there, there, for most people, there seems to be a way where as we age, we settle more and more into a form that is less changing. I don't think any of us are ever non-changing. And I actually think the more we can include the fact that we are changing into our self-image, the easier we will live. But we, we find a form. And then maybe yeah. one perspective on that is how much of that form we come to that still changes, but changes less drastically than it does the first probably 20-ish, 20, 20 and a few years, where usually yeah. the bigger shifts happen, yeah. is how much of that form that we come to is grounded in our natural talents? How much of that form is grounded in what's easy for us, the actual needs we have? And how much of that is grounded in things we've learned, skills that are not actually connected to our unique expression of life energy. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's, that just keeps adding to the complexity of it. <laughs> so absolutely, it's very good. But yeah, so it's actually the longer we talk, it, my feeling is something becomes clearer but as it becomes clearer, it actually becomes way more complex and way, way yeah. less simple. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you tangle yourself out of something and into some whole new web that you need to untangle yourself into something new. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's, it, it's, it stays fascinating, you know, and, and, and great to, to just discuss this. Thank you. Thanks for that. Yeah. So maybe actually this is a, natural way place to slowly come to an end i'm i'm curious if there are any summarizing thoughts that can wrap this up i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i think i still stick with with uh with the whole getting back to where we started that that uh talents and let's let's take it broader not only talents human beings are formed both through nature and nurture um so so you know the whole thing about dna and what you inherit you know through through your parents and, and ancestors that's a reality that's indisputable it's true uh, but the experiences of and the way you brought up and nature and, and, and all of that has got a tremendous impact. And I actually, I actually think that the latter, the, the nurture part has got a much bigger impact, do I think, than the nature part. I think 
the examples of that are people who rise out of circumstances. They, 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 you know, out of the development, they become something that maybe break free from a system, break free from a family, break free from tradition or whatever. So it's, it's fully possible to do that. Um, but then again, as, as we address uh, talking about children, we address parenting. Personally, I just think the best way is to give a foundation and platform and room to, to play for, for kids. Uh, in a, when I say play, I mean play with their development in a, in a safe space. What are you becoming? Each child on their own and, and honor that and respect that and develop that. Obviously, within the boundaries of your chosen values and your chosen cultural things that's that's important to to you as parents. So that could be that could be one end. So good. thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, Lucas. That's good. We never know what's around the next corner.